37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Hello friends and welcome to 37 Disney Street. We're all feeling a bit retro today as we finally take a look at classic number 52, 2012 Wreck-It Ralph. There's no one I'd rather be than I'm Chris Doomsday and Armageddon just had a baby and it is ugly. Who are you? What? Say your name. Uh, I'm her ugly. Say your own name. I don't know. Okay, let's just stick to my bit. Oh, not my thoughts. like a quiz question oh Hugh gave Hugh gave me that quote today I was like I don't have a quote it says I'll give you one that's why it was in front of me then and I thought that was like a quiz question <laughs> I said the quote let's just pause yeah. just one second I'm not going to make you restart because uh, it's funnier to keep it this way but um, can we go from your name Lucy because what happened was the music swelled as Hugh started to talk so he was completely cut out of it okay do say now again just had a baby and it is ugly. I'm Lucy Rain. Oh, oh, milk my duds. Hello, friends. I'm Hugh Rain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with my brain today. <laughs> I just went, who are you? And she looked at me like, what? I re- <laughs> who are you? <laughs> you married me. Who are you? I'm here out of glee. Didn't you say, what's your character name? Well, no, what's your actual name? I was like, I don't know my actual name. Look, um, be forgiven, Lucy, because it's been a while. You know, we 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 were supposed to do shows. Yeah, we were supposed to do the show, and then another week we were supposed to do the show, and then last week we were supposed to do Loki, and I didn't record it, and we got half an hour into a fantastic talk about Loki. Honestly, you should hear the insight, but you're not going yeah. to. And now we're here, and, and it would you know change what? your perception of cinema if you'd listen to what we said about Loki last week. No record of it. Not there now. But on the plus side, we are recording. Everything is happening. The sound coming through. We've got through the intro, even though it was terrible. And here we are talking about Wreck It Ralph. Well, well let's. Well, shall we? Do, do we want yeah. to jump straight in here and go into the history then? Shall we do that? Let's do it. You can do, although if I can't even get through the it's going to be one of those shows, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> oh dear. I, once I've got through this, I think I'm just going to let you two talk because there's clearly some disconnect going on between brain and mouth. This film was released on the 29th of October, 2012. It's but we are going back to the good old fashioned Disney days where things stayed on the cutting room floor and in filing cabinets and on concept boards for years because it was initially conceived in the 1980s under the title High Score. Now at the time, they didn't feel like the anim- the uh, computer. We're burning out. There we go. <laughs> Um, we, they didn't feel like the animation of video games. 
um, was quite ca capable of dealing with um, a, a full movie to make it scan. They didn't know how to do that. They did it again in the 1990s under called Joe Jumps. And then again in the 2000s under Reboot Ralph. Now, again, they were getting a bit closer as they got to Reboot, reboot Ralph. Um, but to make it realistic, they knew that they had to have video games, real video games included in the uh, movie, the same way they did in Roger Rabbit. So they needed to get lots and lots of franchises on board and they need to get lots of IPs, which means lots of copyright. Um, they decided to keep the central characters original, um, mainly because they wanted to avoid storyline baggage. For a lot of your um, video game characters have got their own backstories that they didn't want to have to juggle and de deal with. So anybody who is from another franchise is kept very, very um, distant from the main story. They don't really involve them much. They do the gag jokes like with Pac-Man and so on and so forth, but they don't really involve Pac-Man in the story. Um, the, it's based on 8-bit video games. And they developed the movie, adding in licensed characters where they made sense before applying for the licenses. So they wrote the jokes and they wrote the storyline based around these different characters. And then they went to the relevant uh, animation houses to ask if they could have them. There's often been a lot of questions, including from Bonnie, as to why Mario wasn't in there, because that's one of the few characters that she knows from video games. The truth is... Um, they wrote the scene, the like the AA meeting, the Bad Guys Anonymous meeting, including Bowser, and then they applied to Nintendo for Bowser, and Nintendo absolutely loved it, but they wanted to make it a provision that they would only give them the rights to Bowser if Mario got a similar, similarly weighted scene. <clears throat> So the same amount of screen time, right. the same amount, etc. And this was a big, big sticking point, and the whole deal nearly fell through. But with a bit of compromise and back and forth, they managed to get Bowser without. They said they couldn't find anywhere where it made sense. They'd the already written the movie. The name checked him at the party and said that'd be Mario. Is always late. Oh yeah, maybe that was the compromise then. Um, but they, they couldn't find a way of including him and they mm. tried and they just couldn't make it work. They said that it would be... That seems strange. Like, you, mm. if you got they get an opportunity to put him in and it just needs like a couple of lines. Well, they, get they him got, in. They got Sonic in, in making yeah. a public announcement um, that was plot, uh, that was important to the plot. Mm. <laughs> True. Um, so, yeah, but it's often been thought that they couldn't afford him or that Nintendo wouldn't give them license to him. And it's actually completely the opposite. It's the other way around. They didn't want him. Um, and they thought it would draw too much attention as well. They thought any scene would put him in, if they did put him in the party scene, for example, yeah, that would be what you'd be thinking about. So now I wrote this down over a week ago. And now I have to question myself. This is something technical. They often, when at this era of CG animation, nearly every movie they do, they invent some new software in order to do it. And in this one, they introduce bi-directional reflectance distribution functions. Oh, yeah. I yeah, knew that, that. I'm not I sure. What's knew the what that meant. Well, 
I knew what that meant a week ago. So I remember thinking I was going to talk about it and explain it. And I I can't remember. Bidirectional reflectance of distributional functions. It was something to do with the way that light, it'll be because uh, certain characters glow, I presume, and so they can reflect in multiple directions. I don't know. But it's interesting. Mm. It's there. It was directed by Rich Moore and it was written by Phil Johnston, who would go on to write Zootopia, and Jennifer Lee, who had another very famous film that she directed and wrote called Frozen. It did quite well. Yeah. And that's all I have. The bidirectional reflectance distribution function, BIDF, is a measure of the amount of light scattered by some medium from one direction into another. Bidirectif would have been a better name for it. Yeah. Birdurf. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So I think I think you're right. Yeah, it's just about how it reflects off certain objects. Mm. Wow. It was interesting this time last week. Kind of <laughs> lost its luster, if you'll excuse the pun. Yes, there we go. Well, it's Very my, it's good. My fault. Entirely my fault because uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it before last week, which is why we didn't do it last week. Uh, but it's a good job we didn't because we would have not recorded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, should we talk about expectations or do you want to go to the kids? Uh, I don't have many expectations uh, from watching it this time. Uh, I think I was looking forward to it. I think I watched it when it first came out without any preconceptions. I'd seen the trailer, thought that looks good, and I watched it. So, oh. This time, same. I will say, actually, um, a lot of the things that I will bring up as niggles were kind of my overriding impression of this, but actually watching it back, they took a backseat and I just I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. That's interesting because for me, it's been the absolute opposite. <laughs> so I, I used to really, really enjoy this film and I watched it uh, a couple of days ago and I just I felt niggles the whole way through it. So mm. I need you guys to pull me through this. Um, okay. and, and help me out a bit because I, I think there were a lot of things and I'm not even sure I can mention them as we go through, I will try, that just annoyed me a bit. We will help to tweak your niggles. Excellent. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> should we find out what the kids thought? Yeah. yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. It's about a man called Wreck-It Ralph and he's a video game character and he's a baddie and he just really wants to be a goodie and get a medal so he goes into a different game and he basically gets the medal from it and then he gets shot into this other game and basically it's a racing game. So he goes to Sugar Rush and meets Vanellope. So Vanellope, and there's this king, and the king is actually Turbo. <gasps> what? King Candy used to be called Turbo. He stole the game because he got less attention once it came. And I was really scared of him. Is that why you're talking so quietly? A bit. Okay. They make a cart. She does the race, but while Vanellope and the king are up front and the first and second, 
And Turbo's basically this virus. He can, like, go in any game. And then Ralph fixed up the finish line, and Vanilla Peach just had to go through it to destroy the Turbo and everything that had been caused during the race. There was a lot of, like, damage. At the end, there are these big robot bugs. Ralph has to, like, get them so they had to fight the bugs and at the end um everybody gets the memory back of vanilla pit is actually a princess my favorite bit is when vanilla pit turned into a princess i can't think of my favorite bit so i'm just gonna say my least favorite bit was when turbo was there because it was very scary my favorite character is vanilla pit my favorite character was Ralph and it's definitely not Turbo. Um, my favourite song was Shut Up and Drive. So I would give it... I was going to give it a three, but then because of Turbo and he really scared me, I'm giving it a two because he really scared me. Okay. I will give it a four out of five again. He did not like Turbo. Oh, Sorry man. about that um, abrasive music which I made in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was good. Yeah, Lucas, I, I could not. It was Getting him to record that was really hard work because basically the film finished and he ran into our bedroom and climbed into our bed and pulled the covers right up to his chin. Oh. Which is why you can hear this rustling the whole way through because he's literally scrunching the bed the whole way through the recording. Do you know what? Uh, he's got a point. There's, uh, there's something freaky about Turbo, and um, I remember as a kid being similarly scared of those types of characters. Yeah. Those just that face. I mean, uh, being towards were like it doesn't seem that scary, but I can see why it's freaky to mm. to a, ch- a child. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely understand why he was freaked out by it. But he was crying, and that was it. Was just yeah, it was a bit strange. He's all right now, though. He's he's slept since. And oh, he's good. okay going upstairs on his own now, which he wasn't uh, <laughs> oh, no. in the immediate aftermath. He's seen a therapist twice a week and he's really <laughs> making progress. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, should we jump into the story? Yes. So it's time to discuss how the story goes, I know. It can't be worse than Oliver and Uh, I want to point out the eight bit ident. Maybe I should have yes. mentioned that in animation. No, but, uh, you, but but you instantly get that that feeling, don't you? Like, oh, I see, I see what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. So you get an eight bit uh, Disney Studios ident animation studios. Yeah. So that's that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. I wrote that down. Thought that was nice touch. It's a nice touch, Disney. Well done. I think the character and the computer game of Wreck It, uh, sorry, Fix It, Felix Junior. Uh, it's extremely convincing. Like, yeah, uh, you could tell someone, "Oh, this is actually a real game," and they'd totally believe it because the sort of mechanics of that. I mean, it's, it's Donkey Kong, isn't it? Basically, it's a type of Donkey yeah. Kong like parody. There's but a is... documentary on Disney Plus about a, a kid who got the highest score ever on it. That's all like set in the eighties, like a mockumentary thing. There's, that's uh, I've, I've watched the first couple of minutes of it, but this is my I think we might have seen this. that. You should watch this, but I haven't watched it. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they went out of their way and they made the game. They put it, they put it in the app stores and everything, didn't they? Before the release, I remember it being there right. to, to make it all 
um, have that authentic, genuine sort of feel to it. Legit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good effort. They start with one of those expositional narration things that turn out to be um, a, a character in a real situation. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, it's a trope. I'm yeah. not against it because it does exactly what it needs to and it's mm-hmm. often very gripping. But I'm thinking like Coco, they do the same thing and then mm-hmm. it turns out he's been a shine boy and you know the kind of thing I mean. Um but this, the reveal of this, where he is and why he's telling that story is very rewarding because that's one of the most memorable scenes in the whole um, movie. And it's similar to the princess scene in the second one. You know, you've got loads of Easter eggs. You've got loads of in-jokes there. Yeah. So it it wasn't, like I say, it is a trope, but it wasn't thrown away. It, it, it paid off. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the, the intro to this, it wasn't like a da-da, wreck it, Ralph. They do that thing and it, it's, it, it's become a cliche now. Uh, rather than go like, here's the title of the film, let's go. It's like, my name's Ralph. And then it, and it has like, it has like a sort of an indie comedy, subtle, you know, the title comes up, you know, as he's leaving that meeting. And it's not, at that point, it's almost like, it's not about computer games, it's about this other thing. Yeah. And I kind, I kind of wish they'd gone for the more, uh, on the nose, literal eight bit big title across the screen type of thing. I was like, oh, this again. I, it's a bit of a thing, is this? See, this sort of indie comedy, subtle introduction of a film. You know what I mean? It it lost me very very quickly um, when I watched it this time. Like I say, I've never been bothered about this before. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this film in the past, but when I watched, sat down to watch it yesterday, I don't know what it was or, or why my head was in this way, but I just straight away I was thinking. But this is totally not feasible. I don't. I don't understand. We've just mm. we've just watched him being an eight bit character, and then inside he's not eight bit. He's like fully rendered three D. I know this is animation, but it it's the same with the whole story. It feels like we're trying to shoehorn an idea into something, and for me, it just it, it straight away got me offside. And then I spent yeah. the whole film looking for where's the plausibility in this, which is a really strange thing to. To be yeah, that's really that. interesting because yeah. one of the reasons the original 1980s concept when floated failed was because they couldn't work out how to, they couldn't they didn't want to do eight bit animation for a, for a full film. whole film yeah like and that. they had to sort of wait until they were able to do what they can do now to do it but like I know what you mean because um, Fix It Felix says to Calhoun, doesn't he? Like, look at your high definition. But when you look at them side by side, they have the same definition. I think we're supposed to assume that maybe they are still 8-bit, but we're, we're just being presented it this way. Um, but then it's like, but you, you do have the technology to do 8-bit. I, it is a bit, it's a messy, isn't it? It, it is messy, and they all idea is the things... Uh, of characters being able to move from one place to another unless you're a mm. glitch and like Turbo, oh. the, the the fact yeah. that Turbo was was uh, somehow managed to kill two games well killed one game because he wasn't there I guess and killed the other game because he was there but then mm. managed to escape and be somewhere else hidden for so long and all, all these little things just in terms of the overall plot of this story they just they frustrated me a bit yeah I think and, there are t- I found it a, a real niggle the whole way through that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there are too many ideas in it. And uh, when you have to have characters explaining what everything is, which I've said about other films, 
It's just like, I think that's a failure of the storytelling where you have to have someone going, oh, this is so-and-so, it works like this. <laughs> this is so-and-so, it works like this. And then you have Sonic making that announcement. Oh, that it's, announcement it, really it was, annoyed me. It's quite a neat way to do it, but at the same time, like thinking, if you have to announce that basically to us, uh, then I found it a bit naff. Um, and also like the whole glitch thing, it's like, you know, when, you know, they have to say, oh, she's a glitch, she can't leave her game. You're like, oh, how convenient, you know, that's going to be a reason. And I just think there must be a way to write around some of those problems. And how was she able to stay a glitch at the end? And if she stays a glitch at the end, then presumably she still can't leave the game. And if she can't leave the game, how can she leave the game yeah. in, in, the sec- in the sequel? If she's deliberately designed as a glitch, I'm presuming... That glitch is like a. Hang on, is that glitch a superpower, or does does that version of her in that particular machine have a glitch? Because if if it's all line, if it's, it's all gone, the game was reset. So yeah, presumably her memories yeah. would have been reset as well. Because yeah. it's a reset of a game wipes it back. It, to the reason back she was settings. the reason she was glitched is because part of her code was deleted or locked away, yeah. wasn't it? And that's why she glitched. But she still so glitched. by the end, she, she shouldn't be glitching but anymore. She still does. Yeah, but then at the same time, if that she yeah, because she glitches out of the princess dress, and she's like, "Nah, that's not me. This is me," and she glitches out, doesn't she? Okay. Yeah, there's some there's some things that you you could overlook you quite happily, like, and I think you can do. But as we are nitpickers, you know, I think that there there is a lot of that going on where you're like, "Oh, really?" I think the thing for me is that I I am. A gamer. I mean, I'm I'm not so much a gamer now, but I, I definitely was a gamer in the 80s and 90s. I've always had a console. It's something that I've always done, and and so the idea of this, the concept of it, is a really exciting one to me. I love the idea of it. I love the idea that it's set in an arcade, um, and and that there's all these games being played and stuff, uh, and that you can take those characters and do something with them is is a, a fantastic idea. I just feel like it's generally executed quite clumsily. I think that's my problem. Right, I just want to delve in here because I am not a gamer at well, all. Well, me and Bonnie have just started playing my mm. my old consoles, <gasps> SNES, N64. The Mega, most Mega I can say is to fit in at uni, I used to play a few of the more puzzly games such as Worms and Lemmings. I enjoyed that. That is so you. That is so I love both those games. Though. Yeah. I've got them both. Um, and I'd Professor Layton on the DS. That's my level. Ooh, yeah. You know what I mean. I'm, but I'm not. I'm not into gaming. Gaming, as it were, into racing and fighting and stuff. Um, I. It never occurred to me for a second to have a problem with this concept because let's face it, it's a ridiculous concept. It's the same as the people in your head and inside out. It's entirely figurative. No one's meant to think, oh, this is actually happening. And so to then delve into, oh, well, that's not realistic and that's not realistic, it, it's just beyond. I, I share your frustration with games that have to explain themselves constantly. Films. Films, sorry, that have to explain themselves constantly. And if the premise for a world, the rules of a world can't be explained in three sentences, it, it does get very sticky as you get through it. And I, I appreciate... Uh, I'm a big Harry Potter fan with the books and it happens quite organically in the books, but I appreciate when you watch the films, that feels like that. Every other sentence, someone's explaining some sticky bit of magical law that you've got to understand to understand the films. And I do get that. Um, But I just, I 
not one of my favourite films. I'd forgotten about it a bit. I would never have chosen to put it on. I really enjoyed the rom. I did. I want to make this clear because uh, we will get onto some things we enjoyed, but I did enjoy it. Um, I do have massive niggles, but ultimately I don't think it got in the way of my enjoyment of it. That's but the fun, but it's fun to talk about them. Yes, it is. Because it is. I just think that there are too many ideas in this and many, they, too, they give themselves too many problems to solve and have to talk the way out of, basically. I just mm. think it, I think it can be quite hard to follow as well for for a younger audience. The different all these different things going on. I think it can be quite difficult to. I, I suppose if you don't think about it too much, it's not at all. It's just guy mm. goes to a to a place, helps someone learn to drive a car. They drive mm. a car and win a race, and that's it. Pretty much, that's that, that's the story. I think a lot of the humour and the uh, power dynamics are built round knowing your pop culture as well. And um, I mean, Lucas is a little bit older than Bonnie, about 14 months older than Bonnie. Don't think Bonnie had a clue about any of the references, not just in terms of characters, but how games work, how arcade, she'd never been to an arcade and put a coin in. And I'm sure she understood what was going on, but you don't quite get the same joke that you do when you're our generation. Don't know how Lucas fared with that. So I think, as far as Disney films go, this was probably aimed more at the 10 plus audience than yeah. in other ones, just because the humour. I th- I think if Lucas hadn't been scared, then when we when I filmed him and talked about it, he would have mentioned all those different characters that were there because he knew most who most of them right. were. And so that that's one of the things that that he, that he enjoyed about it. But I think trying to film at that point, he was just so upset by it. it made it kind of it, re- it really took his enjoyment away of it. Really wasn't. Did. Wasn't there a character in this where Bonnie said, oh, look, it's it's them. Yeah. I'm sure there was. I can't remember who it was now. Can you? I can't remember. There was a character, yeah. Uh, oh. She did ask about Mario as well, because uh, like, mm. like Hugh says, he's just got his uh, Super Nintendo out and stuff, and one of the few things she knows is Mario is a very famous character. I've had to yeah. replace both the main body of the console because mine's a bit knackered, and the actual game of Super Mario World, because I had the um, All Stars, the uh, the American version, oh, right. and I, and I, it went through a converter which I had, but it stopped working. So yeah, well, I had to spend some money on this thing. So have you got a Trigger's Broom version of the SNES then? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, um, I, I just want to say about because you you mentioned switching off a bit before Chris, yeah. um, or, or not thinking too hard about something, but. Uh, uh, that happened to me when um, I don't know how I hadn't realised. Um, Alan Tudyk does the voice of um, King. I Candy. think he's a new Welker, by the way. Yes, he is. I was going to say that as well. I, I think I might he's need brilliant. to do a jingle because he does. He, uh, he's in a lot Ju- of upcoming films. He's the Duke of Wesselton. Yeah, Wesselton. Uh, he's K to Esso. Did you know that wasn't me? Uh, yeah, and hey, hey, from Moana. And he's um, but, in, in Raya. Was he tuk-tuk? I don't imagine. Yes, I think he was. I think oh, yeah, was. yeah. But uh, I don't know how I didn't spot his voice. When he's turbo, he's got this, he's basically got the same voice, but I've never actually noticed before. And, like, it's a bit of a dead giveaway, but for some reason I switch off mm. and uh, the reveal at the end, I was like, oh, yeah, it's him. It's not, not <laughs> the best Edwin impression I've ever heard, but it wasn't too I, bad. I like it, though. It, yeah. It's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Candy, melt my duds. I mean, no, nobody ever says... He's doing an impression of Edwin. We we get that style, but I it's but they've drawn him to to look yeah. that way as well. I'm the, the, yeah, it's all very deliberate. <clears throat> I love the guy. I think he's great. I th- like uh, I love someone who's yeah. that like uh, versatile. 
Mm. Yeah, I think it's great. I think I think in line with that, Hugh, what I will say is we've talked a lot in the past about certain voice actors that that just don't work. But I think, yeah. I think the voice acting across the board in this is pretty damn decent. Yes. The casting is excellent. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Right across the board, yeah. Mm. It's I perfect. I can't think of a weak, weak voice. No, actor, no. and I'll tell you what, there isn't, which is great, um, there isn't like a, a standout posh British, I say posh, poshish British voice that you always no. get in like... The, Except for Satan. Dreamworks. Well, it's Satine. Satine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what is that? It's Satine. set you up then. It's Satine. Uh, oh, you did, didn't you? Um, yeah, there isn't like... A, I don't mind... I, I, I like James Corden, I'll, you know, like, yeah. and a lot of people don't, but I like him, but his voice in uh, as, a, as an animated character's voice is rubbish. Yeah. And Russell Brand's voice, you like... They, they don't have that kind of weight to them or like life to them. And when you hear this chummy, chum, chummy voice go, oh, hey guys, it's just over here. And there was none of that in, in this, yeah. which is great. Mm. Do you know what else there wasn't? There wasn't a sidekick. It, it wasn't a sidekick right. film. It was a buddy film, wasn't it? It's, yeah. Sa- Sour Bill was a bit of a sidekick to King Candy. Okay, yeah, it's an evil sidekick. <laughs> yeah, Sour Bill. That, that's a good character. That would be an easily overlooked character, Sour Bill. I liked him. All mm. No, don't lick me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Fix-It Felix is a really good character, and that kind of... <laughs> just a honeyglow in my cheeks. that gag of the unlikely couple in every sense the unlikely couple but the way that they kind of they build that throughout it with these moments it's really believable Mm. and very very clever um i like i like Uh, that storyline a lot it is you're right you're absolutely right it is and yet and yet the bit that you mentioned before Hugh was what made me go oh for god's sake when he talked about uh, being rendered in high definition i straight away I, i thought but but so are you. And and again, I just I'd switched off from it. And that this is the problem. You're telling me these things, and instantly I'm going, oh yeah, it's good. That it's great. Is that bit? But when I was watching it the other day, I just didn't feel any of that at all because I was too I think too niggly. If they made it today, they'd have a bit more of a you know like in um, Soul where everything had like a a, a fuzzy edge. Mm. They'd maybe have like a pixelated edge to them or just some kind of mm. effects. But yeah. 2012, you know, probably too a bit. Bit more difficult to do. But hang on, they had bi-directional reflective distributional functions. They did. Mm, It's easy for you to say. And boy, did it pop. Ah, I I saw it in every frame. (laughs) Um, Do you know when when he breaks Vanellope's car? Mm. I hate that. I absolutely, I can't bear it. It's like, even even if you had to do it for her own good, I couldn't do it. No. No. And she she acts the 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 despair of Sarah Silverman so well. Sarah Silverman, yeah. That's, that's, all the voices in this are perfect. Mm. Yeah. Well, she's a proper Disney princess, by the way. Unlike that Merida. Well, I thought that, but then she declares herself a president, doesn't she? So she's only a princess oh, for like for like a few seconds, yeah. and then she goes, "Nah, that's not me. You're I'm right. thinking maybe a president." She's still more. Yeah. She's still more a princess than Merida. Because because I start to write that down, and then she changed changed her title as I was writing it. I was like, oh, she's not a princess, really. Mm. Yeah, go on then. I'll let you have that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Do you know? I do like the story of Turbo finding another game because it, I don't think this occurred to me either until last time I watched it. Um, he doesn't just escape his game and go into another one. He finds another racing game because mm-hmm. he's he's the greatest game racer in the world. 
So he has yeah. to find another racing game. So I like that. It's, that's actually quite clever. It also and means he's got that into a, a more modern game. The, the whole thing you were saying before about not about the original games and stuff also means they basically had to create three different racing games for this film. Yeah. Mm. In, in actuality, at all at different stages. It, it's interesting as well that Mario doesn't appear in this because the two core games in this are, are proper Mario fodder. The mm. yeah. being, you know, uh, like Donkey Kong, which is where he yeah. originated. Well, did he originate there? No, did, we, did he? Yeah, no, I can't remember. Anyway, and then the other one being like a Mario Kart style game. It's a road, it's called the Rainbow Road. I think, I think he was in another game. I think he was in another game as well. Before Donkey Kong? Yes. I can't remember it's called though. I can't either. It's just called mm. Mario Brothers. I think it is, yeah. It's just yeah, called Mario Brothers. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's right. With the pipes and stuff, yeah. Mm. Um, mm. What else? What? Is that it? Well... I'm uh, sure more will come out. We could go on to animation if well, you wanted. I, I have one more thing to say. I mm. think it's... A, I, I love at the start when they show the arcade and everything that's going on in the arcade is quite an integral part of the intro to the story. And then you go into the arcade machines and you're in there and that's where it all takes place. I hate that they have to come out of that to further the plot by by making the whole thing go out of order. And then the fact that, that when it's going out of order, that machine... The joystick's moving, moving itself and stuff, which is just not something that would ever happen on an arcade machine. But the whole fact that they have to come out and use human beings and stuff to to move that story along, the whole way through that, I was thinking there must be a better way. There must be an easy way of doing this. It doesn't mean they have to step outside of it in order to do that because it literally broke the whole thing. And at any point where you where you're in there feeling Wrecked like you're part of that story, yeah, it, it's taking you out of that reality and back into something completely different and I just think that's a shame I feel the same about the whole oh, I, as, as a pixelated thing I can see out of the glass of the arcade machine to be able to see mm. another machine mm. over in the distance yeah what Yeah. what is this magic glass I, I think the whole thing is like I think if you just accept that yeah I just accept that, that, um, that when they do leave the game they are still pixels and we're just seeing like this version of it that like that makes it clearer to us but actually um, they're, they're all basically just electric currents going in and out of wires, and that—that's the kind of story. But yeah. it needs to be expanded just for our. So we just accept this is an interpretation of something but, more but for all the literal that happened. For all the explanations, yeah. though, what what they could have said, what they could have explained was um, that you know, in in the eight bit game, for instance, in in, in the um, Fix It Felix game. That's how they're rendered when they appear in that game. When Ralph's in another game, because Turbo is, Turbo is different in every mm. single iteration of him in every single different game. And that that in itself is kind of believable. But when they're outside of that that situation, I guess it makes sense that they all look the same, I suppose. I suppose it does make sense that they all look the same when they're elsewhere. And then when they move back into their games and the restrictions that those machines have on them, is is what it is, but how do you explain that? This so when fix it, Fe- when fix it, Felix goes and compliments in, um, in the hero, yeah, in the heroes, her high definition. Game. He's in her game, looking at her definition, and he would be in high definition as well, but he wouldn't necessarily recognize. He wouldn't. That. So he maybe wouldn't. that's all right. You see, I'm turning yeah. myself around here. I kind of get that. That makes mm. sense. I honestly didn't care about any of this. I did care a little bit about the sticky exposition but the details of how it works because it doesn't work Chris it's utter fiction didn't bother me I thought it was well structured I thought it was well paced yes. I thought that the I mean the the emotional payoffs to so many things 
like the whole trying to get a car and build a car, the fact that she loves that car so much, the smashing the car, the need to do the race, the, the messages about what it takes to to be a good guy or a bad guy. And, and you know, it's really, it's, it was having the friends, not the medal, wasn't yeah. it? The understanding, just having that moment of understanding. I really am going to rate this quite highly. And I didn't think I was before I watched it. And I think that we're getting bogged down in details. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you know, so go on. Go on no, I was just going to say, I, I have one more niggle and one thing that I thought was great to talk about before we score it. But go on, Hugh, you talk first. I was going to say, broad sweeps, um, th- like that race is really exciting. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the race, I, I love that whole sequence. It's brilliant. Mm. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is. I agree. Um, so flat. So, so my one niggle um, is a bit of a pointless one, especially after the conversation we just had, but I'm going to say it anyway. In arcade <laughs> games, you don't get mini games. You don't get them because you pay your money and you play your race and then your race finishes and you're done. So there's no point in an arcade game where you would spend your time building <sighs> the car. You wouldn't do it. Because it wouldn't um, give you the time. Not, not like that. You might choose it from a list. Bang, bang, bang. I'm going to have that chassis. I'm going to have this, this. But the way that mm. the, that game was set up, it wouldn't happen. Not in an arcade game. Yeah. That's my niggle. I know, I know, stupid niggle. Right. The <laughs> thing that I loved was when Ralph had disappeared and uh, and Felix there, they're all going, what the hell are we going to do? And the building's not broken. And he comes in and he goes, I'll fix it. And uh, there's nothing to fix. And he kind of shimmies over to the side going, Ralph, Ralph, Ralph. Yeah. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's some really nice bits in it. There really are. And I think I need to go back and watch it again to appreciate it like I used to appreciate it because I just didn't this week. I just didn't. I'd watch this again now, yeah. a, few, mm. a few days later, because there's in, there's so much to to see, and like the like the landscapes are so nice, like the sh- An Easter egg. the sugar rush world is so good to mm. look at. It's just nice, and uh, yeah, I could happily watch it again. And the dynamic of those two lead characters is brilliant. It's mm. just it's just brilliant. Their friendship is just it's something else. It's, it's, it's I will great. say though that my enjoyment of this was a little bit marred by knowing what happens in the sequel, which yeah. we have reviewed, because that no, friendship goes really... With... Did we not? No, we haven't. I don't think we have. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to, because I've got a lot to say about that. It things. just got really... Yeah. It'll well, I won't go we into do. it. It'll be the last one on the list. It gets yeah. really toxic, does that friendship, mm. in the second one. And I had the shadow of that in my mind as I watched... As I watched them meet for the first time and the friendship develop, but that that it does not reflect on this movie, so I'm not going to let that affect my score. No, well, it, can, it can't really. No, no, of course it can't. Because we have, to, we have to imagine we hadn't seen that yet. Yeah. Shall we score it then? Let's, yes. Let's. I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I say, well paced, well structured, fantastic characters, and many characters, and it's not often easy to do that well. Um, so I give it a nine. Nine. Uh, here's my summary. Uh, it's really enjoyable uh, as a watch. Uh, you can watch it several times quite happily. The games have created are so convincing and well thought out, and the casting is fantastic. It gets bogged down in its own ideas, and I do not like the term "going turbo." No, it's too oddly specific, and like they keep saying it. Oh, has he gone turbo? He hasn't gone turbo, and it's not like a big reveal. It's How many like times weird... did Lucas asked me what that meant? All right, but mm. that's it. It's so like a weird times. word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you know, any niggles didn't take away from my enjoyment of watching it last week. Um, I'm giving it an eight. Right. So 
I, I wrote this stuff down, so here you go. My score is going to be different to what I've written here. But what I've put is, it's fine, enjoyable, even heartwarming at times, but there were too many things I had issues with for me to enjoy it. I just got angry watching it. Not Oliver angry, or the wild angry, but this is not Disney, it's just not. I don't feel like that talking about it now at all, mm. but that is most definitely how I felt at the time. I understand that it's not, it doesn't feel Disney. It doesn't feel Disney and at all. If, if, that's not a criticism, it's just an observation. Well, it's got Sonic the Hedgehog in it. Yeah. How can it feel Disney, but, but, but really? When you, when you think about... When you think about um, what classic number 50 was in Tangled and what we got mm. with uh, the Princess and the Frog as well before that, and not so much Winnie the Pooh, I'm going to ignore that just for now because it's Winnie the Pooh. And we all love Winnie the Pooh, we know, but it is just Winnie the Pooh. But I felt like we were moving forward in a very definite yeah. way and this doesn't. Mm. This feels like we've just, they've, they've just gone for an approach that every other studio is taking at this point in time. So it's, it's very vanilla in terms of what it is and how it how it fits. Vanilla. In. Yeah, vanilla, yeah. It, <laughs> it's been how it fits in with, with other films, that, that animated films that have been made at the time. It's just, it's very nondescript and it doesn't feel Disney to me. Um, mm. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a seven. All right, all right, all right. Hamination? Look at the animation you, the characterization you, and don't forget the background and the style. Yeah, man. Animation. Well, one of the reasons um, it didn't feel Disney to me is you you off, a film off, often has a look or an environment that you can just go bang, and this yeah. had so many. Now, that is not a weakness to this film. The realisticness of Hero's duty, it's not realistic, but you know what I mean? Having seen those kind of uh, games, the way they just nailed the look of that and the movements of it, and then Sugar Rush, totally different, totally nailed it. Uh, And the same with every element, including the real world, is they must have had just buildings full of concept artists working on individual sections because it was like making five films in terms of concept. It must have been great, like, mm. uh, working on this and being one of the, one of the concept artists and basically designing a computer game. Mm. You know, like, how much fun yeah, would absolutely. that be? And, and that, but not just that, designing a computer game and then designing a whole history behind that game to make it plausible so that when when people are talking about it, outside of the film it's got this whole legacy attached to it mm. that's that's brilliant that's that's like um like the like the black mirror guys did with bandersnatch and the fact that they got this uh spectrum game uh the guys listening i don't know if you've seen it but there's a, the guys listening to a cassette tape in the, in the on the bus at one point and it's the sound of a spectrum game loading and if you oh. record that audio and you've got a spectrum you can load the game and play the game it, no oh in, in the netflix in the netflix charlie brooker thing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i've seen that I'm going to have to be rude for a second. Please talk amongst yourselves because I don't want to stop the recording. But I have to go shut the door because I'm getting lots of moths in. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, it's that time of year. Um, I hate moth season. One of my favourite things in the whole uh, film was the way that Fix It Felix danced and moved. Mm. And all the, the little jumps in the air and the hammer glow. And his little his little friends who kind of blipped along. That whole that whole world of the Fix It Felix world, the movements of those like mm. civilians 
And even like the little touches, like the when the cake gets splattered, the little pixelated bits of yeah. the cake. It's not all pixelated, but the bits of it are. And uh, Ralph's shirt is plaid, as uh, as I say. But uh, you know, it's kind of hinting at like pixels. Uh, and then like Tapper, the bartender, he's even more jerky because you know he's like maybe an older game. Oh, so he's 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 even more jerky than than some mm. of the others. Yeah. Why? Why are they jerky? I, I was trying to. I was trying to understand that, but I guess they're yeah. Again, to... again, again. It's just that thing where, like, the maybe, maybe we just accept yeah. that, even though they are fully rendered. Once you go through the screen, that's just for us as like a device, and it's literally just the animators animating them like that, having a bit of fun, and we and we just accept Felix like that. that <clears throat> Felix was like that on the dance floor and in that in that scene. But when Ralph knocked on the door and he went outside of his building and was talking to Ralph, he wasn't mm. like that at all. It just it mm. stopped. So I, just I just think it was an animator's joke. I just think it was an animator's joke, and it was a, it was a good joke. Mm. This is how he dances. You know, it's like he's going around being normal, then everyone says, "Dance, Felix," because and that's his dance. The other answer to that is either they don't move like that and it's boring, or they move like that all the time and mm. it just gets yeah. a bit tiresome. <laughs> the residents when they were in eight bits like sums sums. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 They <laughs> did. On the roof. Yeah. <clears throat> I like that they all had the little sour personalities <laughs> as well. Yeah. Here's something that's always bugged me, and it's Zangief's face when he goes does not necessarily mean you are bad guy. That is a DreamWorks face. Mm. If you don't know what that is, anybody uh, listening, uh, Google that. Just Google DreamWorks face. It's that kind of over-animated, and I was surprised to see it in a Disney film, because every time, from the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, that's not very Disney animation. That's DreamWorks. Mm. Zangief. Is, is Zangief from something? I don't know. Street oh, Fighter. Lucy, 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 yeah. Street, Street Fighter, Fighter. Okay. <laughs> okay. They used a lot of Street Fighter <laughs> characters, actually, didn't they? This is like, yeah. Black this is like, at the end. This is like when we watch... Um, Marvel films and I get like a so much more appreciation because even like just a name that they mention mm. I know it, and even if that character is inconsequential I know like oh that's that character from that comic mm. yeah because you know? when Kang the Conqueror turns up I have to watch about four hours of YouTube to fully appreciate what that means <laughs> oh, I go back Hugo's, and read all the comics Hugo's Kang the Conqueror no, no actually no um, I have don't think I've got any Kang the Conqueror comics or stories but I heard of him at least so that's, that's as far as I went because mm-hmm. that's enough um, there is one other character who stands out a mile. Can you know, can you think who it is? I'm just like, well, he doesn't look right. The stands out. It's um, it's it's Beard Papa. He's he's um, he's that one who looks like a gnome. And he's got small eyes. He, he's sort of he's asleep in like a he's in like a turnstile thing or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know why he looks that specific? Why? In the, the Sugarish world, because he's actually a Japanese cream puff mascot. Oh, for the brand Cream Papa, so that's why he. So I'll, so I let him off. So you know what I mean? Because he's, he's got really small eyes. And he doesn't fit in that world. And I'm just that's every time I see him, I'm like, he's, he doesn't fit here. That's, that's why because really, that's really cool though. That's 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 quite a deep cut reference, I guess, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And, and so many of the games are developed. In, like classic games are developed in Japan. It's just obviously a nice little nod, isn't it? What a good idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. I'm giving it an extra point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what? I don't have much to say other than that because I just, I think, I just, I really enjoy it. I think it it, it looks great. 
it's, it's at the top of its game for 2012. Like even now, it like totally holds up. Yeah, it does. And because of the story, they've had to get really creative and inventive with things, and it's just it's kind of a joy to watch. I mean, this could have gone in story as well, but when you write, you've we've talked about the have to invent games and how to play games, but rich details such as the laughing taffy having to come up with problem solving of how that goes down and the um uh the the, the mentors and the kirk and the fact that they write that into the actual yeah. story but then the concept artists will have largely been behind that as well you can't you can't write that kind of story without the visuals so this is where animation and the animation process of storyboarding and things really comes in. Um, so I think the concept artists will have a lot of credit to take for story elements. The, the Laffy Taffy was one of my niggles because I, I could just imagine them sat there going, oh, this We need to get them out. Do you know yeah. what rhymes with Taffy? <laughs> oh, Laffy. Oh, yeah, right. So let's make them laugh. And then they come down and then... I, I found that a bit it. odd it, it in that world. Contrived. It was a bit... Yeah. A little bit strange, but... Yeah, why did they start singing? Well, they just didn't add to that point. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They should... it, I mean, that was that was the great gag with them making a love heart around them at that point. You know, it's like it's it, the world is in on the joke. Yeah, but again, that that was another one of those bits that made me think, oh, I'm, I'm not all about these two in this story at all. <laughs> oh. See, these are the little niggles that I had. And normally, as I say, any other one. It's just, it's a shame when little niggles get in the way of looking at the film as a whole. This is like the opposite of uh, of Black Cauldron for me, because when I watched Black Cauldron the first time, I was like, oh my God, this just doesn't hold up at all. It's terrible. It's not good. And these are all the problems that I have with it. And then every time I've watched it since, I've just enjoyed the story more and more and more. Mm. And I think I've just hit it this time. It's, it's like, you know, the eighth time when, when you're at, at Disneyland, and the eighth time you go on, on uh, it's a small world. You just you you you're like, why why am I on this thing again? I don't understand it at all. But the ninth time you're back to loving it again. I think that's what this is going to be for me. I think it was just an off day. You're having a sugar crash at that point. I think. Yeah. I think that's what happened with me and um, Sleeping Beauty because I still feel bad about that star. <laughs> Important question, having, earlier, I was Lucy. having an off day. Important question. Artwork on your wall. Uh, yeah, I would have Sugar Rush on my wall. I would have um, various, I mean, it's not its not an artworky kind of film, is it? Mm. I would have Sugar Rush on different shots on it, but I would certainly have elements of it and stuff like pins, lounge fly bags, these kind of things. I think it's a very, elements of it are very marketable. So I like the um, Eclair and Donut Cops. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They are good. I'd have them as a uh, plush. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the only setting as such that I didn't like is the heroes, whatever it's called, that game, mm. and, and the bugs and stuff. It was all just a bit, yeah, bit dark and a bit yeah. But depressing. I understand, I understand why they did it because shoot 'em ups are a big deal in arcades as well. You know, that's what a lot of people want to play. Mm. So I I completely get the reason behind it. It just it didn't didn't blend well. I don't think it wasn't it wasn't somewhere nice to be. And then the fact that 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 gets moved into the the sugar rush world as well make I mean it's all mm. plot, it's all plot development is great in actual fact the fact the fact that those things don't fit is what makes it quite adventurous at the end I think and and quite intense but I, don't, I just don't like I don't like it to look at it 
No, I agree. I'm not sure you meant to like being there. I mean, that's the thing. They've all got PTSD, haven't they? He meets that guy in the uh, in the bathroom at Tappers. Oh. Let me go back there, man. And I do like the way he's just, you know, he's just he's continually walking into the wall. Yeah, sliding, yeah. sliding around. These like, side like, gags are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Shall like it? Tur- I don't like no. Turbo Bug. That's the only other thing I want to say. Don't like that either. Turbo Bug. Yeah. It's a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, the, go the, towards the light. No. Yes. No. Yes. If we're <laughs> talking about character design, though, the um, if the job was to scare eight-year-olds, witless, Turbo did its trick, didn't it, Chris? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that Lucas has seen pictures of Momo. I don't know if you heard about all that. Oh, yeah. Who's Momo? It's a Japanese <laughs> art or something, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, but, but there was a whole scary story associated with it not so long ago. And mm-hmm. to the point where schools were sending letters to parents saying, if you hear anything about this, stop your kids from doing it. When it was all just oh. like, nothing real. Um, but yeah, go look it up on the internet and find out about it. But I th- I think Lucas has seen those pictures and I think this stirred that in him. That's that's my theory behind it all. Because right. that, those, those big, like deep, Cocaine addict eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm, yeah. I'm going to show Lucy a picture yeah, of Momo. To his face right. While you do, should we score no, the animation? I've got it here. I want to get your reaction. Oh. <laughs> She's seen it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Animation. Hmm. Go. It's my turn. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, because we follow a certain pattern, not because I'm... Which just know, happened, like, doesn't it? Kind of, for it to, kind of uh, yeah. fallen into we, it. We get it. We get it. And I've drawn attention to it. Haven't I? Um, here's what I've written. So, yeah. Because it, it sounds written, so I need to declare that it's written. So I've said, honestly, there's nothing to fault. As there isn't for me. It looks good. It's inventive. The worlds are perfectly realised. The character design is excellent. Ten. Hey. Um, I've put this in really nice touches, and it looks great. Um, but in trying to encapsulate all of the games ever, they've stuck to a style that doesn't feel authentic in terms of character. It, it comes back to what I was saying in the story bit, really, about what they're like when they're all together, that they all look mm-hmm. the same is the thing that lets it down for me. I don't know how they would have done it different, but that's it. By doing that, I, mm. I just don't think it quite works for me. But I really like, um, as you guys have said, I really like Sugar Rush and the way that looks. I love the 8-bit stuff. I, I absolutely love the way that all that looks. Um, I'm going to give it an 8. Um, I'm just going to go straight down the middle of those two things and give it a nine. I agree with you, Hugh. It's nearly faultless. But um, Chris had a very pertinent question when he said, would you put artwork on the wall? There are some bits of it that are unsavoury to look at. I understand that for character decisions, location decisions, there had to be. But it's not the most gorgeous piece. No. No. So music. S-U-G, what now is it? <laughs> S-U-G-A-R, jump into your racing car, sugar rush, sugar rush. I love that song. I was going to say, that is the highlight. <laughs> And it's and there's, it's Japanese, which is so different. It's so fun. There's some really good um, 16-bit music going on. I 
can't remember, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but just the, the music at the intro is very good. The the score there, that's that's really nice. I think this is going to yeah. be a quick uh, section, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not a lot other than orchestration, but it, do we include sound design well, in this? Well, don't forget also. Well, I think yeah. we should finish the songs because there is obviously. Yeah. Shut up and drive. Well, let's let Chris speak. It's not as offensive as Clocks in the Wild. But it's borderline for me, is that song? It's borderline as offensive as Clocks in, in the Wild. I, is, yeah. Was that an existing song? Uh, Shut Up and Drive, yeah. It was, it was four, four or five years old by that time. It's like 2008, okay. 2009, something like that. I, that so, so that came on and I, and I thought, oh, for God's sake. And I knew it was in the... I, I remembered from the past, but I thought, oh, for goodness sake. How old is this song? Anyway, it can't have been written for this. It just can't have been. So I went and had a look and it wasn't. And then I thought, oh... It's just like clocks. It's just like clocks in the wild. It's just because because it's the mood I was in, wasn't it? Mm. So then I put the wild on, uh, as, as in that clip what? on YouTube. Oh. Just that clip oh. of, of clocks. Oh. I played three seconds of it. And I went, no, it's not as bad as that. It's no, not <laughs> as bad as that. No, yeah. But this, this uh, thing uh. of putting song like putting pop songs into into the films. It, if it's done and it's a song that's been written specifically for it, then you know, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough, I don't have an issue with that. But when it's let's just pick a bit of popular music from four years ago and stick it in, I don't I don't get it just because it's a driving they could have they could have written something for that quite easily. Well, you know how um George Lucas wrote Star Wars with Hulse Hulse Hulse's planets in mind, and then he directed it to that, he edited it to that, and then he gave it to John Williams and said something like that. And John Williams is a genius, and the result was fantastic. Uh, was it? Was it not Holst? No. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. That's no. Uh, we said he's a genius, but like he, almost all of his melodies are pinched. Yeah. Like <laughs> okay. so. Yeah. But well, so they, are different conversation. March, isn't it? Pretty much. I could. I could understand um, the directors of this getting that song and editing it and going. This is the tone. The pace. And everything that we want for this moment and then giving it to a songwriter i can understand that but i agree with you chris that it take it takes me into I, you know where where else might you hear that song wandering around tesco with the shop star radio on it takes me into a, a taxi driver's bad radio leads car. you know it takes you somewhere else doesn't it Owl it City doesn't take you into it Owl City wrote a song for the mm. film, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, so, I was so people, I wasn't familiar with I want I wasn't familiar with the Shut, Shut and Driver. I thought it was from this, so I, I don't mind it mm. at all because I'm so unfamiliar. I was like, I, I just think of this film when I when I hear it. That's all I think of. There you go. But yeah, there's the Owl City song. When can I see you again? Oh oh oh. <laughs> it's alright, isn't it? Bunny likes it's it. It's Owl City, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did you hear the Wreck It Ralph song in the credits? I can't remember. No, I don't. I think, it, I think it's just called like the Wreck It Ralph song or something. I was consoling um, my crying son at that point. All right. Well, I, I was in two minds because it sounds like something uh, that I would listen to. Uh, mm. But then also the, the lyrics were really naff. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm undecided about this. But yeah, the, so that's another one. There's mm. a Wreck It Ralph song in the credits. It's, it's kind of kind of fun. There was yeah. some really good um, sound effects and audio gags and 
uh, appropriate music, little musical stings coming in throughout sort of support the games. And it's hard for me to kind of be more specific than that and say, oh, like when this, like when that, because it was throughout and it was, um, I mean, sound design on video games is a thing in itself. And to replicate it in a movie situation, along with speaking characters, storylines and orchestration and make it all come together is, is quite an achievement. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I like the little touches, like when the um, when the ghost in the in the uh, I was going to say Alcoholics Anonymous in, in the uh, he he uh, starts flipping and the and he does all this out the classic Pac Man sound. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, little bits like that. It's nice. All the little power ups in um, in Sugar Rush as well. A cheese or whatever it's called as well. Nice conversation. Yeah, we're at uh, 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 uh. <laughs> mm. All nice. Excellent. Having said that, it's not a musical. I know that we shouldn't demand things to be musicals, but as much as we appreciate like skill it, in yeah. them, yeah, it's very hard to sort of yeah. judge. This couldn't have been a musical because no. a musical kind of adds something, whereas this this is so specifically like about these computer games. It would just be, it'd be a layer too much on mm. top but, of that weird abstract idea. You're right, but just as the Sugar Rush tune is a really, a really good catchy tune, music is integral to computer games, and so to have had some, uh, some music as memorable as as Tetris, for instance, and things like that in there would have been an extra, the extra touch that would have would have just lifted it a bit. I mm. think there are things they could have done, just to mm. to give it a bit of an extra edge, that yeah. Um, a regular soundtrack, which is what it had to all intents and purposes everywhere else, um, didn't really lend it, I think. Yeah, you would have thought they'd have gone heavy on the chip tune side of it, but yeah. they, yeah, not, not so much. Yeah. Just little hints here and there. Mm. Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Right, Chris. Well, oh, I, <laughs> I've started off my music bit. Again, I'm going to read what I've written, but I don't necessarily feel like this now, but... So what I've put is this is to all intents and purposes a Pixar film and score. It's a, a real indicator of everything getting a bit merged. I don't know where this was in my head, and I, we haven't talked about this at all today. But obviously, in my head at that point in time, I was thinking this this it doesn't feel like Disney, but it does have that kind of feel of what Pixar were doing at that point in time. It doesn't feel like it fits with the regular classic Disney classic films and um, score wise the way that they they, they do that those emotive type scores that you get in, in all the Pixar films, it feels very similar to that. Um, Shut Up and Drive is a four-year-old song and not written for the film. Um, it's almost as distracting as Clocks in the Wild. Um, and then I put that, I went back and watched it. Um, and it's not as irritating as that, not even close. So basically, I haven't written anything about the music, but it looks like it. Um, I, I think that uh, they execute some of it really, really well. I would have liked it to have been a, a bit bolder. I think that's what I've liked. A bit, bit, mm. bit bolder in the way that they orchestrated it. Um, but I wrote down four there, and I think that's really, really mean. So I'm, I'm going to give it a six. I uh, appreciate some of the jokes, like I mentioned, um, but I don't think it does enough musically to really make it stand alone on its own. I wouldn't buy the soundtrack, so I'm going to give it a six as well. Uh, there's not a great deal here, but I like pretty much all of it, so I've given it an eight. Oh. And I've got a score. 
for wow. this. When you, when right. You, like, when Do you want to know about the IMDb and things? Sure. Well, IMDb, True to Form, has gone 7.7. Although, to be fair, that's about 0.3 above average, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's not done too bad. 7.7. Now then, um, Rotten Tomatoes tends to be a little bit more discerning, shall we say. So just one moment. <laughs> we should fill this uh, with noise. Oh, yeah. Talk, mm. talk people. <laughs> right, so it, it's done well. The critics have given it 87% Whoa. and the audience have given it 86%. Now, if you follow these Rotten Tomatoes scores, it's very rare that they're that close. Mm. There tends to be a, disparate, a disparancy one way or the other. Mm. Um, disparity? Disparity, yeah. thank you. I'm I don't have the bell. I forgot the bell. Oh. Um, we should but yeah, 1% it. in it. And 87% is high for a critic score anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's done well. Yeah. I, I do actually have the bell as an isolated sound. Do you? Maybe we'll, we'll let it off. Stick it, we'll, we'll stick it on as an audio at some point. <laughs> then if you don't have it in the future, we can have a synthesized bell. Because I put it in the kids' thing sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a commercial success with a budget of 165 million. It actually made 471 million worldwide. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Hence the sequel. Mm. Mm. Well, we've scored it 77. Oh. And that is the same as Rob- the IMDb score. Robin Hood. Right. Okay. <laughs> Mm. I, I'm all about I can't that. remember what we all gave Robin Hood, but I do love Robin Hood. And I will have scored the um, music very high on Robin Hood, I think. One less than Fantasia 2000. No, Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> My score's getting mixed up here. I, th- I, think it's, uh, I think it's a fair score, that. One mm. less than Raya, one more than Onwards. Right. Onward. Yeah. Oh, we've, we've missed this bell today. I <laughs> know, oh, sorry. Hercules, 78. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's um, it's still all right, hasn't it? Somewhere. Yeah. That's, I'll accept that. I might have edged it slightly higher, but you forget what other amazing films we've done. You know, you think, would it? Would you put it up there with Tangled? No. Would you put it up there with Muppet Christmas Carol? No. So, but it, I highly recommend it. We're getting towards the end, you know. We're getting very close to the end. I know. Of the classics. Uh, are we doing Mary Poppins Returns? Probably. I, I would like <laughs> do, to. Do we need to go back and do Enchanted at some point? Yes. Yes. It wasn't as, available. So is it on Disney Plus? Yeah, so, so, so at some point, I reckon close to Christmas, maybe it'll be available. Cool. Um, uh, whatever it is. Favorite, that, that's the well, word. Favourite bits. enjoyable bits, I was going to say. Then I couldn't remember. Most enjoyable yeah. bits. Um. There's a little nod, there's a little thing. There's a little nod that Sour Bill gives Ralph in the castle, uh, just, you know, when um, when he's trapped in the cupcake. Mm. And I think King Candy and, and Sour Bill are just about to walk off, and he just gives him a little nod, like, hmm. And it really made me chuckle. Uh, I also like it when Calhoun and Felix are on the bridge with Vanellope, and Felix gets his little hammer out in preparation for the bugs. It's just some, some kind of, like, exciting. And I, I, I like that about his character. He's, he's always... He's, he's always optimistic and he's always ready to help. Um, and he gets his little hammer out, his pathetic little hammer 
you're like ready to fight all those bugs. He just reaches out and takes it out. I'm like, oh, bless him. Mm. <laughs> Favorite bits. I think it's very apt. You know, like Captain America doesn't have a sword; he has a shield because mm. he doesn't attack and defend. I think it's a really good character trait of Fix It Felix that his weapon fixes things. You know, it doesn't destroy things. Bless him. Except his own face. Oh, no, it doesn't. She destroys his face. It fixes his face. Yeah. His face, yeah. Mm. Mm. Cool. Chris, have you got um, any Chris? <laughs> You're like, cool. Yeah. Next. Yeah. No, I've, I've, <laughs> I don't know. I've kind of said I, I really like the bit when, when Ralph's disappeared and uh, and they're trying to trying to make things happen. I found that really funny. I laughed a lot at that. And and I like Vanellope just in general. I think I think uh, Sarah Silverman has quite an irritating voice at times, but it just works so well with that character and just mm. I, I just find her very, very likable. I tell what Bonnie liked and that was the Nesquik sand because she has Nesquik every morning. <laughs> it's too close to work for me that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Well, but when when she sees things like like that, she goes, yeah, she she can't believe it's like in a Disney film. She's like, that's why I this, you know, something so mundane and everyday. She's yeah, like, that's yeah. that's my thing, that's my drink. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Cry uh, factor. I don't know why they just can't be together. <laughs> Hugh's cry factor. Now, that bit when Felix lifts Sergeant Calhoun out of the Nesquik sand and she looks up at him, you know, she looks, she gazes up at him and he's all heroic. There's something about that that, you know, kind of gets me, gets me started. So that's where I get started. I'm like, oh, here we go. It's begun already. Y- do you know what I mean? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, like, it's magical. She looks, she looks up at him and, you know, anyway. Um, and then when Vanellope loves her awful car, she's like, she's like, oh, and she's like, I love it. I love that. The enthusiasm for that awful car. So I'm up to a three at this point. Then when Ralph wrecks it, I'm like, oh, no. Um, and when he smashes the Mentos, you know, when he's going down, he's like, I can't remember the speech, but he's like, I'm I'm bad. That's good. You know, you know, he's falling down in slow motion. He's thinking about Vanellope. I'm like, oh my God, it's a four. It's a four. But then, the very end, I was, you know, when he's like, he sneaks a peek at her. He's like, it's my favorite part of the day when they, when they lift me up because I get mm. to see Vanellope. I mean, it would have been a five, but Bonnie was yapping all over it. I think it deserves a four. Ooh, they were good ones. And two first two weren't, weren't so weren't so hot. Oh, but they sounded good in my ears. I'm out of practice. <laughs> Excellent. Four. Oh, well, I'm just going to tell tell you something. We just we talked about this on the Disneyland Paris show before, but um, we've had a few problems with audio of late, uh, particularly when we've been together. So at the moment, you might have noticed. We don't have the usual screen up and everything. That's because we're not in the same place because we're socially distancing so that the guys can go on holiday um, without having to risk me, even though I don't have anything, potentially giving something to them. So we thought we'd, we'd just play it safe because they're going on a Disney cruise and and uh, and that. Stay in your side of the house. Yeah, and, and the audio works okay when we do it like this, but the audio when we've been together, as you might have noticed over the, I was going to say over the last few weeks, but it's probably over the last three months because we've only done two episodes in God knows how long. Um, and it hasn't been that great. So we've been trying to work out how we can deal with it. And uh, we have patron uh, pals who have done a really, really uh, generous job of, of uh, giving us a little bit of money towards things every month. And uh, we've been keeping that to 
to improve things as we go along. So we've bought some new gear. Um, I'll show you here uh, this um, this uh, interface. Listeners, listeners, Chris is holding up a box with some knobs on it. Yeah, the box of knobs. Um, and uh, we've bought a microphone to go with that, but we need three microphones because there's three of us. So at the moment, we've started a thing on Patreon. Basically, we're trying to raise £100 so we can buy these two microphones so that we can put an end to all these awful audio problems and start being awesome like we used to be back when we just podcasted and we were in the same room when we had stuff that worked. Um, so, but it's not just that. If Once we raise that £100, anybody who has donated or is currently a Patreon uh, Disney Street pal, we're going to do a big giveaway. We're going to give away um, all sorts of stuff. So uh, first off, Hugh's offered to, to do a drawing of your choice. Um, so he's, he, as an illustrator, he's going to illustrate... Um, Disney themed. Uh, Disney themed, yeah. They, They'll be asking for no minions. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Disney themed. Um, but also, you know, we're looking at what we can get in terms of books, in terms of um, some bits that we might want to pick up on our travels and things as well. So we want we want to do a big giveaway, um, and it'll be probably for a couple of you, two, three of you. We'll have some nice prizes to give out once we reach that goal. Um, so watch this space. But if you're interested in um, in helping support us, it'd be very very welcomed. Um, and if you head over to Patreon and uh, look for 37 Disney Street. Uh, the links and everything should be in the uh, details below if you're watching and in the description if you're listening as well. Um, yeah, go and have a look at it. And, uh, and if you feel like you want to support us, then they'll be very welcome. If you don't want to support us, you're equally welcome not to. There you go. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention in the other show is we have some merchandise now as well. If you go to Tee Public, you can search for 37 Disney Street and you can get shirts with our logo and stuff on or stickers. It's a very nice cup, a really nice cup um, amongst other stuff. If you fancy having a look, uh, go and have a look. Magnets. Yeah, magnets. Yeah, you can get magnets. Got my eye on some magnets. Yeah, there you go. Um, we're going to be back in, it'll be a few weeks, unfortunately, because of the cruise and then I'm away as well the following week. It's going to be probably three weeks now before we get a chance to do the next film, which I think is Frozen, isn't it? Mm. Wow. So we've finally got to a, a biggie um, in terms of what the public think about it. Anyway, but what will we think about it? Who knows? I guess we'll have to find no. out. Um, I've, got so some things got... To th I've got some things to think about it. Yes. Well, we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about um, shadows that don't work and other certain things uh, within that film. <laughs> um, but for now, <laughs> for now, we're going to say goodbye. Um, Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, pals. <laughs>